Hello and welcome to another episode of the Planet Fantasy Podcast. And we are your hosts, Damon. And uh, I think over there we have who? Who is that? What's your name again? Uh, my name is George. JK. No, I'm uh, I'm Kyle. <laughs> What's up, guys? How you doing? <laughs> well, how you been, man? Not bad. Just uh, just chilling. Um, I was just uh, kind of I kind of had a chill day today, just watching movies. Um, what about you? I've been working and also yesterday I pretty much prepped my ass off for this podcast uh, <laughs> and it's going to be a good one guys uh, and I've just been trying to keep my mind busy with all of this this these problems in the world going on so we're here to try to to relieve your your mind a little bit for for an hour or two yeah absolutely um so Kyle what are we uh, going to do today for today's draft so uh this week I'm I'm ex- super excited man I say this every week but uh, this is going to be a lot of fun so this this week was kind of inspired by you know if you've if you're in the Facebook group that Damon and I are in and you um saw a while ago maybe a month or two uh Damon and I were part of Damon had this also awesome idea of um like a music festival fantasy draft basically we made our picks for three days of a festival, um, picked any uh, musical act we wanted. It was tons of fun. And so we decided to kind of transfer that idea to film. Um, We're going to be building our own film festivals uh, spread out over three days. We've got, um, we've got four films each day. So that's 12 films in total. Um, And yeah, we're building kind of our ideal uh, film festival. And this, this isn't necessarily going to be what we think are the best films ever made. Um, For me, at least, I'll just say like, these are films that just personally resonate with me the most. Um, I tried to go with kind of themes for each day, but really, I'm just picking films that I rewatch the most like these are these movies (laughs) are constantly on, on replay for me. I think that's a really big factor in, in liking a movie is like, can you watch it over and over again? You know? Exactly. I mean, a movie that you just go back to because it feels comfortable to you or it gives you this, this emotion that you just, you crave or this scene. And I I think that's pivotal for, for, to connect to a movie. And uh, I have tons of those on my list as well. Yeah. So um, basically we're going to do, you know, like we've always been doing, um, we're going to first off, we're going to play a, a quick list game to decide who goes first. So, Damon, how, how's that game going to go? All right. So we decided today we're going to do a list game of ABC directors. Um, and of course, I didn't study at all. So th- we, this might be quick. We're going <laughs> to rattle off uh, directors, either their first or last name, either or. Um, and we're going to start from A and then go to B to C, uh, back and forth until Damon loses. So <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, all right, Kyle, let's, uh, go ahead and start us off with A. All right. Uh, let's go with Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. Um, B. Uh, crap. Oh man, this is bad. Brad, uh, oh, bird. Nice. Um, nice yes. double one there. Uh, let's go with. Oh. Charlie McDowell. Okay. Okay. Del Toro. Oh, good. Guillermo. One. Yes, sir. Um, e. Um. Ed Wood. Oh, okay. F. 
Ooh, um, oh. there's someone named Frost, right? <laughs> um, I'm no, I'm I'm blanking on this one. Oh, I'm not gonna come up with one. I wanted to go farther, but hey, dude, uh, if if you started and I ended up with F, I probably would have lost too. That I can't think of anything anything right now. <laughs> yeah. It, F. Uh, there has to be a, a director with F. Um, everyone at home is just like, y'all are idiots. Just seriously typing right now. <laughs> um, we'll go back to it. You know, we'll, we'll cheat and we'll look. Um, but I guess that means, Kyle, you are the winner of the list game. So what, what are you going to pick? First or second and third? All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and defer because I really want to hear what direction you're going first. Okay. All right. I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, so, as Kyle explained, we are putting together a film festival, and it, this is not necessarily the best or what we consider to be the best. These are more like movies that really connect with us. Movies that almost, I would say, help uh, tell a part of our soul. Yeah. You know, if you were to put them together, lay them out, it would really speak to to how who we are perhaps as a person and what we enjoy and what speaks to us. So I thought about that and I had a really nice big old list and chopped it down to, to the ones that just, I liked more just what made, you know, to this, I didn't really overthink it. I just kind of with my gut, my gut feeling. Mm -hmm. And, and then I had to decide what was going to go with first. And so this was just kind of, deciding what you might want or you might not even think of. And then I decided, you know what? I just want to go with this first because it's absolutely amazing. And one of my favorites and it is the prestige. Oh, I love it. A 2006 mystery thriller from my, one of my favorite directors, Christopher Nolan. Um, it's magic, just full of magic. It's a period piece in, like, uh, I believe the uh, end of the 19th century. And uh, we have Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman who are dueling magicians. One super flashy. Can you guess which one that is? <laughs> um, and then the other, uh, Christian Bale is very, very technical. He's really talented at magic, but he has no showmanship. He's very flat on stage. And, um, and after... After we see um, them continue with this uh, rivalry, we we get a lot of emotion and tragedy and drama between them. Um, and so I really wanted to just talk mainly about what, how this makes me feel um, because uh, you've seen it, of course, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so for everyone at home, you haven't seen it. Um, I guess we'll go down, break it down with exactly what happens that I love so much. So the movie is you have the two magicians. They hate each other. Um, they used to work together. And one day, Angier, who is Hugh Jackman, his wife dies in a stunt, uh, drowns. And supposedly he blames Borden, Christian Bale's character, of tying the knot too tight. This creates this, this just seething rivalry throughout the rest of the movie. Um, they try to make it big. Um, Borden figures out this really great act. It's the transported man. Uh, he jumps from one wardrobe to the next, right? It's brilliant, but he's 
he's not really getting enough numbers like you would think for something that that really breathtaking, right? Uh, Hugh Jackman, Angier, he sees this and he decides to steal it. But he really doesn't know how to. He doesn't know the trick behind it. So, you know, he gets a stunt double at first and that works to... It works pretty well, really. It's even more successful than Borden's uh, because he's he's able to sell it even better. You know, uh, I believe he's jumping jumping from door to door, if I'm not mistaken. It has been a little bit since I've seen it. Um, but with this, um, he he really wants to to perfect it. He wants to make it to where he's better than Borden, without a doubt. Um, so this leads us to Colorado Springs, <laughs> where we find Tesla, the Tesla. Um, mad scientists and all working on some some crazy experiments and Angier really wants him to help him uh, figure out how to teleport him transport him from one spot to the next instead we get a machine that duplicates and copies the person or a uh, creature so with this Angier decides to uh, go ahead and use it for his uh, trick and it's amazing it's brilliant uh, he starts killing it. Um, and Borden's real life is really just taking a nosedive at the moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, he's uh, during all this, of course, he's uh, fallen in love with his uh, assistant, Olivia, who was sent there actually to sabotage him by Angier. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then also, he, of course, he's still married to his wife and supposedly in love. But throughout the movie, you see very different actions, different sides uh, from Borden. It's almost like he's two different people. And so as we continue on, Borden, um, so Sarah, I believe, yes, Borden's wife hangs herself because she just can't deal with this duality of Borden anymore. Um, He tells Olivia he loves her. She leaves. Um, So he's just kind of by himself, just him and his daughter. And he's seeing his rival kill it with his act, uh, a very better act. And so he has to go eventually. He's just fed up with it. He, the curiosity is killing him. He goes to see the act done and performed. And he uh, walks around backstage just because he has to know. And what he sees is shocking. He sees Angier fall into a pit of uh, into a water tank underneath the stage and uh it's latched and he can't get it open and Angier dies um setting up uh borden being framed for the death of injure and while he's in prison he's um welcomed by a lord and that lord's name is where's that at um i can't find it lord cadlow and uh, he visits Borden along with Borden's daughter, um, only to reveal that this is indeed Angier, uh, who is not dead. Uh, because who we saw dead was apparently his clone. And Angier is alive and well, and he is now going to essentially uh, raise Borden's daughter as his own. And there's nothing really he can do, do about it because he's going to be sentenced to death. And he is. He's uh, hanged. And so it's pretty bleak as we go towards the end of the movie. And uh, as we see Angier hanging out in his theater, uh, reminiscing about his success, um, (laughs) all of a sudden someone walks through and 
it's Borden who shoots him down. And as Angier bleeds out, uh, Borden shows them that it's really that he was a twin all along because there was two people playing Borden. Uh, it was his twin brother. Um, and so that really explains all the duality and the complete contrasting personalities that you see with Borden uh, from scene to scene. And I absolutely love this twist more than anything because you really don't see it throughout the movie at all uh, right up until they reveal it. And they show the flashback of how they did it and how whenever one of them wasn't uh, Borden, they played their uh, very faithful uh, assistant. And his name was, where's that at? Fallon. And uh, so one of them sacrificed themselves and uh, got hanged while the other gets to kill Angier and uh, walk away with their child. And of course, right before he leaves, um, the place is of course burning because Angier knocks a candle over while getting shot, um, which is really visually striking. Yeah. And as he leaves, he's, he's saying that Angier gets nothing. He's won nothing. And Angier's just, he doesn't care. He, he says Borden doesn't get it. That what really mattered was the amazement, the wonder that he saw on everyone's faces. It didn't matter what links he went to or if he, what he was doing was even really magic. It, what mattered was the crowd and, and Borden just leaves them with that nothing else. And as he's leaving, he sees these tanks, the water tanks, and he sees all these bodies of Angier to realize he killed himself. He killed his clones over and over again, every performance. And that's the second twist that you really find that, you know, everyone says though, I, I always kind of thought that I picked that up earlier in the movie. Um, did you, Kyle? I, I think probably my second watch through, I picked it up because of the one image. I can't remember in the, it's been a while for me too, but I can't remember in the movie when it shows all the, the top hats, I was thinking, oh my God, he's cloning himself. You know, like he's just completely, all those hats represent all the times he's done this. Right. And, uh, and so of course, you know, that was the twist, but I, I always really favored the twin twist Yeah, because I thought that was so well done. And it really was what was considered the prestige of the movie um, because right before Borden enters the theater, um, who is there, but I believe Hunter is, is the pronunciation who yeah. uh, played by Michael, Ka uh, Michael Caine. Yeah. He was actually the mentor of both of them. And uh, he was there talking to uh, Angier, telling him, you know, this this really great line, this amazing line in the line in the movie that I cannot remember word for word, and I didn't write it down, but it, it essentially is just explaining the three parts, the three acts of a magic trick, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, I believe it's you have to show something ordinary, uh, you have to show it disappear, go away, and then the prestige, the end is you have to bring it back because that's what matters most. Mm um to the crowd to the to the person you're tricking and and of course you know this is almost lined up perfectly with with borden revealing himself and it gives me chills even just talking about it right now you know? <laughs> yeah um it's so beautifully shot um so well acted I, I think by christian bale and both sides because you do see 
very different Bordens through the movie without realizing it is two different people. Mm. And um, I, I, I love this movie. I don't, I don't want to just keep talking it, you know, hammering it over and over again. Uh, but I want to hear what you think about it, man. I, oh man, I love this pick, dude. This is, this was not on um, my list. It was one I considered really early on in planning, but I want to say too, it's probably, it's tied with Memento for my favorite Nolan flick. Um, I think the two of them do, they're Nolan at his best. You know, he, a lot of his movies have that non-linear storytelling and this movie especially really takes advantage of that. And I love the way it kind of shoots back and forth in between the past and present. Um, and that really nails home that twist at the end, the way that he kind of uh, set set that up. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I think it's beautifully shot. Um, also an incredible cameo from David Bowie as Tesla. Uh, yeah, I didn't mention that, but David Bowie slays it as Tesla. Super eccentric. So good. Um, I Maybe this is a hot take, but I think that this is my favorite role of his. I know a lot of people have nostalgia for uh labyrinth but i think he's just he was born to play this kind of character um so good andy circus plays his his assistant really really just strong cast when you think about it um scarlett johansson you know as olivia um everyone is great uh michael kane is kind of a christopher nolan staple <laughs> he's in like all of his he movies really is. Um, they became friends and, and nolan was just like ah you're in every single one of them and kane's like i'm Okay, sure. Yeah, and I mean, can you blame him? I mean, Michael Caine is just, he kills it and everything he's in. He's so good in this. He's that, you know, that mentor. He doesn't play both sides, but the way that he's able to kind of give advice to both of them is so cool. And yeah, here's that, you know, I don't have the full line, but that line that he says, you know, now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it because of course you're not really looking. You don't really want to know. You want to be fooled. And that's so perfectly sums up this movie, right? Like we don't want to know I mean, we, we find out that's what it is. We don't want to know every detail because it's shown to us in such a cool way. And he really pulls the wool over your eyes. Like, there's not a lot of films these days that really surprise you. And this twist works so well because it, when you watch it again, it makes so much sense within the context of the film. Um, and like, you, go ahead. No, oh, I, I was just going to say, funny you say that because I, was, I actually wanted to mention how um, I saw it a second time and it was like years in between actually, because I, I remember liking it and liking it a lot and being so shocked and loving it. But then as a kid, you know, you don't get to rewatch movies unless you have it bought, you know, you're right. You don't get to just run to the movie store or stream it. If this was 2007, yeah, 2007, 2008. Um, so like it's a couple years later i think i'm in college and i'm like oh crap yeah let's watch this um i haven't seen it in a while i put it on i do not really remember what happens so when the twist hits again i am just as shocked yeah like whole oh, crap that's what it is i remember now and it just floods me and i'm like wow that was so good i didn't see it happen until it wanted me to see it again and it's for that it's the perfect magic trick because it fooled me twice yeah absolutely and so much more for that such a really an underrated film rivalry you know people really don't really talk about that a lot when they talk about all the you know the famous movie rivalries but the way that these men like you know they already hate each other in the beginning of the movie when they're working together and so after that that tragic thing tragic thing happens with with jackman's wife um, just the way these guys constantly try to sabotage each, each other is already so entertaining in and of itself. Um, I love the scene where uh, I think I think Bale goes to 
or Bale's performing a trick and Angier shows up. It's a trick where he's going to catch a um, catch a, a bullet or whatever. And uh, yep. Angier shows up. Obviously, it's supposed to be a trick gun, but he shows up and has a real gun and just straight up shoots the dude in the hand. Like, it's just like one of those jaw dropping, like, holy crap, that just happened, you know? <laughs> um, right, like, so just good. keep escalating towards each other yeah. and you know what yeah. willing to, to to mess with each other's lives and career yeah i love it what a great first pick man that's, that's a strong <laughs> start <laughs> uh thank you and uh so as to where it is in our film festival because this isn't just the list this is a festival that people are going to watch and sit down at um i figured i'd, I'd mention what my festival's name uh we are dayman's film journey festival oh yes <laughs> and uh, Yes, it's going to be located in the at Red Rocks because it's pretty much my backyard and it's beautiful. So I love it. Love and uh, as far as when we are watching the Prestige, we are watching it, I believe, Saturday. And uh, we are watching it, I believe, here it is. We are watching it last. We are watching it the fourth of four movies on Saturday. Um, and I wanted my Saturday lineup to be movies that, that give me a sense of wonder that really just have me amazed at, at what can happen and, and really what links people can go to really trick you and make you feel in a movie. And I, I think the prestige nails that more than anything to me. And I don't think it gets enough credit. I don't, I don't hear about it enough. Yeah. And I I keep talking about it nonstop whenever I can because I want more people to see it. So if you haven't seen it, by the way, I didn't say spoiler alert. So I hope I didn't spoil it for you, but you still <laughs> should watch it because it'll be amazing. Yeah, it's certainly <laughs> worth checking out still. It's uh, it's certainly one of his more underrated flicks. I think, you know, it came out really close to The Dark Knight. And so obviously The Dark Knight gets talked about more, which, you know, deservedly so. It's a wonderful film, uh, obviously, but... Yeah, I agree. The Prestige is so slept on. People need to check that out. All right, so that is my first pick. And uh, you won't see me for a little while because Kyle has two. All right, let's kick this off. So um, for my film festival, um, again, if, I'm going to call back again. This is maybe a cop-out, but if you if you remember from the music festival draft, uh, this is going to sound familiar to you, but this film festival is called Eclectic Taste. Um, I'm just keeping my name from the music draft because I think that it perfectly sums up the way I view both music and film. Um, I have kind of taste alt that goes all over the place when it comes to this stuff. Um, I, I'll, I'll say that film is truly my passion in life. I'd love to be a filmmaker someday. And I've, you know, I, I just, that's kind of all I do. That's all I do with my free time. And so uh, my taste can go anywhere from campy to deadly serious to comedies to whatever, whatever I'm in the mood for. Um, so this film festival is going to be called Eclectic Tastes. Um, I love that you picked Red Rocks because I was going to go with a similar vibe. Um, this is going to be in the Garden of the Gods. Um, oh, wow. Colorado heavy. Ac yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I love Colorado. I um, have not spent a ton of time there, only kind of passing through during road trips, but I'd, I'd love to go back um especially garden of the gods I, th I would love to go experience that maybe for a weekend um but uh i'm setting this there um so a lot of it's going to be outside and um you know kind of drive-in theater-esque a little bit you know old-fashioned um so to kick things off uh i'm gonna go ahead and pick one for my first day for friday 
Um, this day is going to be all about the, the movies that just bring you like joy. Um, movies can do a lot with you. They can uh, break your heart. They can make you laugh. But one thing I really love about film, there's one thing I really love about films that are just like unabashedly positive and optimistic. Um, and so day one is kind of called cinematic joy. Uh, and so for my first pick, I'm going to go with one that um, not a ton of people have seen. Um, I think that it's also kind of a slept on flick. Uh, it's one of my all time favorites. It came out in 2007. Uh, it's a film called Once. Um, this this movie is directed by John Carney. Um, it stars Glenn Hansard and Marquetta Irglova. That's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> but it, it's a movie about music. It's a movie about these two people who the characters don't have names. It's just him and her. Um, they meet in Ireland. Uh, he's a he's kind of a street busker, and he uh, he plays you know all cover songs during the day, and then at night brings out his own original stuff. And she's like, you should play more of that. You know, you've got some really incredible uh, original music and she plays piano. He learns. So they kind of start jamming together and forming this connection. Um, and then over a weekend, they uh, form a band and record a whole album. Um, now this film is actually, it's interesting because it really closely mirrors the life of the star Glenn Hansard. Um, it, in fact, after this movie, the two of them went on to tour together and be a musical act together for a good amount of time. Um, they dated. They split up recently, but it's kind of sad. But uh, during that time, they formed a band called the... Um, what is it? Where's the band? Oh, The Frames. They formed a band called The Frames. Um, okay. So a lot of people would probably know the song Falling Slowly from this movie. Um so a lot of the reason I'm picking this one is, is the soundtrack. The music is just, I mean, this, this soundtrack is bangers only. <laughs> uh, the music is so good. Um, the two of them just like, they work so well together. Uh, they harmonize so well together. And for me, just the movie is all about just that kind of that indescribable connection you have with someone when you're playing music together um, or when you have the same love for music. Um and so it's, it's just, you know, they've never met before they meet and immediately, you know, you could say they fall in love, but really it's just about like the music and it's about how they kind of form this connection over, over song. Um, so it's got an incredible soundtrack. The performances are really great because they're so grounded and down to earth. Um, they could b basically be playing their themselves. Um, and yeah, it's just the reason I have it in day one is that it just fills you with like this happy, you just leave the movie with all these songs in your head. Um, and you just want to like listen to music. And for me, listening to music is just one of the happiest exper experiences out there. Um, and so, yeah, that's my, my first pick for, for day one. I love that pick. Uh, I, I love music. Music truly is one of the best and most indescribable feelings that you can get when listening to it. And I've never seen this movie um, but it sounds like something that I would extremely enjoy. So it is going like directly onto my list of movies I need to see. Um, that soundtrack sounds very interesting. Is it very, is it folk, uh, folky? Is it indie? Yeah, it's got a very, um, you know, it's all really acoustic guitar driven. So very kind of, uh, I think maybe Crosby, Stills and Nash, uh, vibe. Um, you know, really folksy kind of indie Americana, um, 
he you know the movie starts with him covering uh van morrison so it, it's all about that kind of music um but it okay one word to describe it would just be soul like there's just so much soul in this movie <laughs> I, I like that description and I, I, it sounds like the, the two build a very authentic, like chemistry filled relationship. I, I, I sounds like they, you know, work really well together. Yeah. It's they, they really do. I mean, you know, after the fact you can say it's because they really did in real life, but I think that it's so true to life, the way that kind of connection can be built. Um, you know, I've, I've formed that kind of connection with a lot of people, romantic or not, just through music. I think that that is kind of a transportive kind of thing if you both really love music. Um, and so, yeah, it's a really slept on flick. Not a lot of people have seen it. And, uh, you, you know, it, it's not one that's like particularly a very exciting movie because it's very much day of the life kind of movie. You know, it's it's it starts with him playing music and they meet. And it's a very simple story of them just kind of creating this album. Um, but if, if you, if you dig music, if you like that kind of stuff, and if you like, uh, on-screen chemistry, I cannot re- recommend this, uh, highly enough. That sounds right up my alley. I cannot wait to see it. I applaud you for that very sneaky first pick <laughs> and, uh, what's going to be next. Okay. Um, so for, I'm going to move over to day two. Um, this one is more going to be molded after, you know, I, like I said, film is my passion. I would love to make one someday. So all of these, I'm kind of stealing this from uh, uh, kind of an odd place, but Alicia Keys recently, I think one of the last two um, Grammys did this really cool set called the songs I wish I wrote. Uh, and, you know, she's a phenomenal musician and so she can just play anything. So she played a bunch of songs on piano and sang them. And it was just a bunch of popular songs that she wished she wrote. And it was such a cool idea, kind of her paying tribute to all this, like the best of music. And so this is like what I think is maybe not the best of cinema, just but these are the films that I just watched. And I was like, so kind of similar to how you described watching The Prestige, just really like blown away by the craft behind this film. Um, Just the work that went into making something like this, whether it was, you know, uh, the way the story was written or the characters or whatever. So I'm going to pick one. And also a reason for picking this movie uh, specifically is it's kind of uh, like a lot of, a lot of people would go for this one. So I really don't want this to be stolen. So I'm going to go, uh, this is going to play. I didn't mention this, but once will be the second movie uh, of day one. So it's kind of early in the day. This one is going to be uh, the third movie and it's going to be, you know, pretty late at night Um people will probably be buying tickets to this day just for this movie. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the original Star Wars. That is clutch. <laughs> I, I, I love it. it. I uh, really didn't want this one to be snatched. Um, and uh, also, too, just to be that guy, this one will be billed as Star Wars, not A New Hope. I love the, t- I love the title <laughs> A New Hope, but I'm the purist that just loves the title Star Wars. Excuse me. Back space, uh, a, a new hope for. Okay, thank you. Okay, it's done. exactly. Um, so the, yeah, obviously, I mean, there's really nothing that can be said about this movie that already has, but you know, it's the it's it came out in 1977. Um, it is truly the epitome of the the underdog when it comes to how this was made. I'm sure no one believed in this movie when they heard about it. They're like, "You're going to make a movie about space, but it's a long time ago, and there's a big." dog man i mean you know all of the, all the things that were said about this movie i'm sure people just rolled their eyes and then look what we got from it you know it's the truly one of the most iconic films of all time um this movie but truly the trilogy and the franchise at large is just the ultimate hero's journey 
Um, and so uh, I, you know, I just, I, I watched this movie so much growing up. Um, my first exposure to this franchise was Return of the Jedi. And my favorite is probably Empire. But I think that Star Wars is the perfect example of just films I wish I had, at least had had a hand in making. Because imagine having this idea and thinking, you know, it's just kind of this passion project I have. Who's, who knows if it'll be successful? And now look where it's at now. I mean, it's it's truly an icon. Um, and so I think that, um, again, you know, if you haven't seen this movie, you're probably living under a rock. But please, you know, seek it out. Uh, even if, you know, you, you're not really into the fantasy sci-fi stuff, I think that there's something in this movie for everyone. Um, that can be said for most of these movies, but really for this one, because, you know, there's there's romance. There's that little back and forth between uh, Han and Leia. You know, it's not a romance yet, but they have that, that awesome, will they, won't they, they hate each other kind of chemistry. Um, you have, like, like I said, the hero's journey of Luke, who starts out as this, you know, this whiny, farm boy but ultimately has to kind of come through and 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 mature and become this this hero to to save the galaxy um it really i mean there's there's classes taught on this this stuff and for a good reason it's it's just it takes the the elemental kind of hero's journey story that we've been uh, we've been taught for so long and it and it puts it in a really cool setting um uh, all of the practical effects are still so fun to see. I am personally a big practical effects guy, even today. Um, I think that the MCU has done wonderful things with CG, but I think that if you're doing a like a sci-fi sci-fi fantasy movie, you can't beat you know all the puppets and the practical effects. Um, so I think that it's just it's such a fun movie. This could easily be in day one for cinematic joy, but I think that ultimately when I watch this movie, I just think how did they pull that off and you know, I wish or I hope to one day be a part of something this huge and this uh, imaginative and creative. So that's, uh, that's my second pick. I, I, I pretty much second everything you just said. Star Wars is one of my ultimate fandoms. If It's almost like slowly overtaking Harry Potter as maybe wow. my favorite. Um, um but it, it, it's truly a world that's built all on Star Wars. This first movie, which was just this, this like you said, a passion project by George Lucas. And, you know, we hate on him now a lot. And he deserves some of it. But without him and without his drive to, to really create this world and this movie, we wouldn't yeah. have any of it. And I, I thank you, George. And... I don't remember when I first saw this first one, but I remember just being in awe of the lightsabers and the space and the, the fighting, how it was just so action packed and it was so different. Um, I was already a big fantasy nerd. I, I cannot for the lot, you know, actually I, I know what was my first foray into fantasy. It's oh, power yeah. Rangers. <laughs> I, I feel like I've even said this before, but power Rangers, I, I always wanted to be a ninja. Um, and, and from there, I just jumped from, from ninja to wrestler, to, to warrior, to knight and to wizard. And I just wanted it all and anything that was just big and larger than life, you know, something that was bigger than normal. And star Wars was such a great gateway for that, you know, for that kind of idea and vibe and feeling. And I, I really like your uh, second day idea for your theme, you know, uh, movies that you wish you made. Um, I shoot, I wish <laughs> I made this one uh, too. 
So I, I'm very glad that someone got Star Wars. I wasn't going to, just to let you know, but awesome. very glad you did. And we're going to talk about Star Wars a yeah. lot <laughs> on yes, a lot of podcasts. So on this movie right here, uh, we'll, we'll spin it towards uh, some other movies that you know yes, need some loving. Sure. So let's hear your second pick. All right, so. I'm going to be rolling with my with a movie that will be on day one for me on my Friday. Um, and whereas uh, my day two was movies that give me a sense of wonder, I wanted Friday to open up the festival with with laughter, with with happiness, uh, movies that bring me laughter. Um, and I hope they bring everyone else laughter. And I know this one does, because this is on a lot of lists of of funniest movies of all time, best movies of all time. And uh, I wanted to make sure I got it because I I don't really know your your comedic mm. taste. You know, uh, we haven't talked too much about it. So this is going to be a really great uh, bonding experience for us guys uh, yes, going forward. Um, but I was thinking movies that give me laughter. This is one that might make me laugh more than any other. It's a classic. It's um, it's British humor at its funniest. Uh, it is. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> I'm so happy, dude. I had this in until the last minute and then I took it off and I was so sad that I took it off. Oh, yes. That makes me happy <laughs> and sad because I would have been so sad to be taken. <laughs> but that's that's why I have it second because like I couldn't go without it. Um it, it's a classic. It really is. Monty Python, um they their gags and their super just absurd silliness. This really speaks to me as a yeah. silly person. <laughs> um, I, I really thank them, and they probably helped shape me as a person for my my humor. Um, I, I I love British humor. This was really along the time when I was getting into that super sarcastic, uh, satirical, super gaggy yeah. kind of comedy. Mel Brooks and Python mainly. You know, my dad had me watch Blazing Saddles with him yeah. one day. I loved it. Um, it was so different than all than what just anything else that I was watching that was coming out those days. Um, you could see the influences, of course, but as a kid, this was it mm. seemed so different that I latched onto it. So I would try to watch it all, and of course, Monty Python and, and the Holy Grail is the Holy Grail of <laughs> Monty Python, so to speak. And um, I remember just falling in love with it and. And of course, I got away from watching it because I went through a weird phase in the mid, like 2010s, where I just I didn't get have time to watch as much many movies. I was listening to a lot of music and and hanging out with with people, with friends, going out uh, music festivals. I, I was just you know, movies just wasn't super mm-hmm. pulling me. You know, I would still go them here and there, um, but over the past few years, I, I've really. I've watched Monty Python a handful of times because it just brings me so much joy. It, it makes me laugh nonstop every time from the moment you see <laughs> they come on stay on the screen with the clapping <laughs> coconuts because they couldn't afford horses and, and give that as, cause it sounds so, so close to, to galloping horses, but it's so <laughs> clearly not that, that visual is, is just, <laughs> It's cracking us up right now, and uh, from that all the way to the to the <laughs> killer rabbit, you know, to to the gatekeeper that you must uh, answer all the questions truthfully. Um, 
I, I love all the different scenes. I, I love, and I love how they do them really. They, they take their time. They, they allow the jokes to breathe, um, allow their time to not even be jokes, maybe just, just a really simple sound that's, you know, just really awkward yeah. and offset. Uh, or, you know, when they, they jump from scene to scene and they'll have the weird uh, transitions of the people on the old English paper and the very old or uh, ancient uh, animations that, that I would that. Um, it, you know, this is, of course, is a period piece, you know, the Holy Grail. This is about Arthur, King Arthur and, and Lancelot and the knights trying to find the Holy Grail. And of course, I'm already yeah. into that. You know, like I said before, with Star Wars, I love fantasy and this is fantasy, but it is just slapping it in its face, just bitch slapping it over and over again. And no, <laughs> no, no, no. You know, bring me a star. Um, which is probably my favorite part of Holy Grail. The 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 knights of me who say me. Um it's so absurd. You're just like, what is happening? And you just roll with it. They roll with it. They go find a damn shrubbery for these guys who only end up being like, well, it's fine, but we need another one. And we're not, we don't say me anymore. <laughs> we say, <laughs> I cannot, re- I cannot for the life of me remember or, or quote what they became, but it's not nearly as gut right. as the knights who say me. So, um, I, I could go on and on, uh, but I, I just mo- really want to focus on the fact that this movie um, really makes me happy more than anything. You know, um, when I watch it, everything else just kind of flows away because it's so silly. It just you can't take it seriously, and it just kind of makes you forget about anything else that's that's really serious. You know, and for that that short amount of time, um, I, you know, I'm just kind of transported there, and I'm able to just laugh everything away. Uh, with with Monty Python, and I thank them so much for that. And that's why it's my second movie for my film man, festival. I love man, I like I said, it was you know one I almost had. I, I I think it's truly one of the most quotable movies of all time. You know, as we've already evidenced, and those quotes are so instantly recognizable. You can just say the word "me," and someone will probably laugh. Um, I think that it's you know it, it's so. <laughs> Like the kind of the way you talked about it, it kind of just bitch slaps the the lore of King Arthur, which I also I really am a big fan of. Um, thanks to high school, I, I of all the stuff I was forced to read, I did not mind reading all the all the Arthur stuff. But um, I I, I love the way it is so irreverent and just like kind of spits in the face of all that, and it just messes with it. And it's so clever too. You know, watching that movie at first glance, you think that it's such a goofy movie, but to kind of nail that goofy style of comedy it takes a lot of really clever writing. Um, and that's so evidenced in this movie and in, you know, the Monty Python uh, TV show. I haven't seen all of that. I've only seen a few episodes. Um, and also, you know, the Holy Grail was, it's probably one of my favorite uh, experiences of watching a movie for the first time. Um, I only came to it maybe two or three years ago. I somehow went that long in my life without seeing it. Um, and my dad was like, Hey, you know, you've never seen this before. Let's watch this. And it was, you know, one of the last kind of last times we spent time together before I moved out of the house. So a lot of it has to do with that, but I just remember like being so amazed by like how funny this movie was and how, cause comedy is subjective and what makes someone laugh isn't going to make another, but I truly think like there's gotta be at least one thing in this movie that makes everyone laugh, <laughs> you know? Um, and so we watched that movie and I was just like, 
so blown away. I was like, this is genius comedy. I mean, I just don't know how they pulled this off. So damn funny. I, I probably use the I spit in your general direction quote maybe daily. I mean, I just address everyone I know that way. <laughs> um, I love it. Uh, John Cleese is just so damn funny. Uh, the way he delivers the Jesus Christ line with the killer rabbit, I also quote daily. <laughs> uh, I think that's that's what I'm getting at is quoting. I mean, it's just so quotable. I quote this movie to everyone I know. It's really, that's a solid second dick, man. I love it. Thank you. Um, and I, I want to just mention, like you said, it, it, it's a very genius, you know, and, and comedy really gets played as so goofy. And I actually wrote in my notes here um, after talking about the coconut gag, you know, um, comedy is deceptively clever. And Monty Python is the Sherlock Holmes of the comedy genre, you know, um, and I, I fully back that, you know, it's it, it's really one of the, the smartest in the comedy movie genre. I think because of how silly it is, everything has to be done so well. And it, it is, you know, from top to bottom, Holy Grail hits it. And if I didn't mention it, it will be, of course, closing out my Friday night, my movies that, that bring me laughter because out of nothing could top that. You don't want to watch anything after Monty Python and the Holy Grail, except another round of Monty Python <laughs> yeah, and the Holy exactly. Grail. Um, so uh, we're going to go from that to my third pick. And uh, so with this one, we are going to go to my third day, my Sunday. And uh, I wanted to to have these to be movies that, that have me holding my breath. Because to me, that intensity, that tension, that that suspense is makes movies so much better. Um I, I crave that because I really don't like that in any other part of my life at all. Keep, keep all that. I won't, you know, routine almost, I want to yeah. know what's going to be happening, but in my movies, I, I love when I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know um, if they're going to survive, if what, I'm going to like what's going to happen, but I'm, I'm feeling it the entire time. I'm on the edge of my seat um, in this movie. Like I remember vividly, I was on the edge of my seat the almost the entire time watching it for the first time, um, and and in theaters the the sound was brilliant. It was crisp. the The visuals were so striking because this director is. I mean, this is his forte. You know, just breathtaking, super huge set pieces that just have you in awe. And so, of course, I'm talking about my boy Christopher Nolan again. And the movie I'm talking about is Inception. I love Inception. And uh, I I know it's very divisive. And I just personally really, I, I just was really into it, you know? And it's not more so than, you know, saying it. I love the message or... I thought the acting was superb uh, or even the storyline was super crisp. You know, I, I'd say they're all fairly decent, but what got me was just the yeah. mood of this film, the, the way it was shot, the, the pacing, the, the story and the fact of how the story progressed was very well done. I thought it was brilliantly plotted um, piece by piece by Christopher Nolan. Um, 
and it had me, it, it really had me wrapped around it um, from beginning to end because the story of course of, of this Cobb uh, Leo who extracts information from people through their dreams, which is just insane. <laughs> just a batshit crazy idea that I love. I, I love ideas like that. I love insane conceptual ideas, especially when they're to do with dreams, you know, dreams. I, you know, I love dreams. I love to talk about dreams, dream theory. And so when this movie came out, I was hooked. I was already ready to see it. And then when it hit, it was very much a, a, a yeah. spy thriller, you know, almost like an espionage action thriller. And I was completely okay with that because it, it had that, that very absurd idea that it was based around. And then it ran with it in a very grounded way as grounded as it could be in the yeah. way that Nolan does things. And I, I really like that. I just really did. I, I really, I, cause I didn't know what was going to happen in this movie going from, from scene to scene. Uh, you have Cobb's wife, you know, who is this dream manifestation and is constantly following him in these dreams in the dream state, trying to mess things up. You don't know what's going to happen there. You don't know if they're going to complete this mission, which is to, to incept instead of extract, they're trying to plant uh, an idea into someone's mind. Uh, Robert, mm-hmm. yeah, I believe his name, Robert Fisher, uh, played by Cillian Murphy. Uh, so well done, so by the way. I love Cillian. Uh, he's, a, he's a Nolan guy. Yep. He was Scarecrow. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and, of course, so they have to be very precise. <coughs> Excuse me. Talk to me. Hold on. All right. (laughs) Much better. So they have to do this and they go through three different levels of dream state. Essentially it's insane, but you're just given set piece after set piece of action and suspense. And that really is what makes me so happy with this movie. And really, I don't know why I haven't gone back and, and watch the movies that inspired this. I still haven't seen Heat, but I hear it was a very big inspiration. And I hate myself that I haven't seen it. But I I just love the, this movie and the way it moves and the way it looks and sounds. And what do you I, think of Inception, uh, man? I love what you said there at the end. I'll hold off on my thoughts on Heat. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> uh, Inception, dude, is so cool. And you you nailed it with the first thing you said is that, like, First of all, if you haven't seen this, please seek it out. But if you were lucky enough to see this in the theater, God, what an experience. Like, the sound just hits you so hard, man. Like, the set pieces are so cool. And I agree. It's such a wacky idea that's so grounded in a way only a few, like Nolan, could. Um, the cast is fun. I mean, it's so it's, – it's one of those things where it very much the whole time could easily teeter off into just being ridiculous. But the cast – sorry, the cast – really grounds it the whole time um obviously leo brings the heat anytime he's in the movie but you know i really love dude marion cotillard as his wife is just batshit crazy um and when she goes off she really goes off she's so good um joseph gordon levitt is great tom hardy in one of his first roles is really really great he's kind of the comedic relief of the movie but also just really just charming and a super fun character um 
the movie yes. that won my heart for Tom Hardy. Like I, I'm a fan since then. Like anything Absolutely. he does, I'm and down. He's I'm not down really for. Really done many like this. Uh, you know, he's kind of gone into the more serious roles, which I don't mind. I think he's really great. But I would love to see him come back to a role like this because um, he nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. Venom. Venom really let him let loose. The movie has its problems, but he's so damn good in that movie. Um, but yeah, this movie is just such a spectacle. Um, you know, when you were describing it and you said, Nolan, I thought you were going to go with Interstellar. Because on- honestly, the way this is described could be kind of described about a lot of his movies. But I think Inception is probably the better uh, IN movie of Nolan's. <laughs> um, I think that, yeah, it's, you know, I remember <laughs> just seeing this in the theater and after, you know, having like, an hour or two hour long conversation with my family about dreams. Cause it really just, yeah, dreams are so fascinating anyway. Um, and the way he explored it was so cool dude with the totems and it's a very visually uh, striking film. I think the poster is one of my absolute favorites. Um, so good. I, I love this. Right. And I mean, you know, with this movie, you get you get the scenes where the, the, the city is kind of collapsing in on itself, just kind of folding and, and you're getting bridges moving and and you get the scene in the the do in the uh i i forget mm. where but where it's flooding uh you get so many striking visual cues that you wouldn't get otherwise because we're playing in this this world of dreams and uh he delivers yeah. so well <laughs> I, I love it um you, you mentioned the totems, of course, you know, these totems are the, the pieces that they carry with them wherever they go in the dream state. It's very personal. They know the weight, how it feels, how it moves, uh, and it kind of keeps them tethered, you know, to the real world. You know, they know whether it, it kind of essentially helps them decide whether they are in yeah, real life right. or if they're still in the dream, right? Um, depending on if it moves a certain way or if it, if it, it acts yeah, differently, yeah. correct, right? And so, you know, towards the end, you know, when every when it's all said and done, Cobb, Cobb, you know, it seems like he's he's there. He's done his job. He's with his kids, and he spins that totem, and it's yeah. just uh, spinning, and it's spinning, and it's it's just it's spinning right? and spinning, Is and it? then you could there are so many debating theories on whether it wobbles, but the camera cuts before anything happens, so you're it's the it's the epitome of ambiguous endings. I mean, um, I remember just this was one of my first exposures to message boards after watching this movie because I had to go and like just research like wow, what do people think? You know, is he in a dream or not? And I love the there was a theory that I read that I. Uh, I don't like having definitive answers to movies because I like the way that he left it open-ended, but I really like this theory. So they were saying that, you know, he explains early on the, we're talking about these totems, the totem that he uses during the movie is a, it's a spinning top. And, you know, the way he tells if he's in a dream or not, he spins it. And if it stops spinning, he's in reality. If it just keeps spinning, he's in a dream. Um, He explains to uh, Ellen Page's character that this actually was his wife's totem when she was alive. Um, she passed away before the events of the movie. And, you know, what we see of her is kind of uh, Cobb's uh, recreation of her in, in, in dreams. But so that was her totem. Um, and like Damon said, they're all so personal and personalized by these characters. Um, in fact, Joseph Gordon-Levitt makes it a point to say, like, don't don't touch my totem because I have to know exactly how it weighs and, and all of that. Um, and so at the end, when he's spinning that totem, it's kind of a definitive like, oh, wow, so he's still in a dream. But when you think about it, 
like he could have another totem. And I saw this theory that was saying his totem is his wedding ring. Um, Cause again, it's very personal to him. It's uh, reminds him of, yeah. Yeah. And we see very visible shots in the film where he's fiddling with it on his finger. Um, and so, and the, yeah. Very, very like very apparent, you yes. know, like they make yes. sure you they see very it. Much kind of I remember in the frame and in that final shot when he's going outside to see his kids you don't see the ring so either you don't see it on his hand or he he's in a dream like they, they kept that really ambiguous so i love that theory i don't i don't want to be the person who says that's the definitive answer because i don't think there should be one i love that no one kept it open-ended but i that's really something fun to think about and I, that's a, just a really good detail about this movie that makes it work like the detail he went into and describing these totems like i love that that world building that he did right and i i yeah i feel like that's a really big part to why i love nolan because every movie he does there is this very built world behind it that we really only see flashes of we see through the window but it's all there you know you don't have to worry that something's missing uh I fully am confident that Nolan thought about it and it's there for a reason and it's going to work out just fine. Um, and as we said, this ambiguous, ambiguous ending really is one of the reasons why I like it and why, you know, it had me holding my breath because like it ended and I was just holding, I was like, holy yeah. hell, what happened? And I love that. I don't know. I, I love it because it allows you to, to play this, this, what if forever, we're talking about it right now because we yeah. don't know what happened and and i i love it because the movie will always itself be spinning on a on a top it's just be spinning forever around and around uh, yeah. this question and i that was intentional that kind of connection but i i love it uh, i i love this movie it's you know uh People have their their hate hating on it and all, but I I have nothing bad to say about it. I enjoy it every time I watch it. I watched it yesterday. Uh, it's my favorite Leo movie. Um, and if I didn't say, of course, it's going to be uh, yes. on my third day of movies, and that's going to be Bam first. Oh, it's going to open us up there. on Sunday. You know super intense because the next ones it. are going to be even better and yes so i think that leaves right. us to your so, uh, your third um, yeah, pick man just real quick i love that that's on your third day because you know sundays uh, for for film festivals the last days people are starting to get tired they want to go home and that's that's a way to hook people and keep them around for another day um i'm not very no like i don't know much about film festivals guys just just saying that so i looked at this as almost like a what I just, I kind of wanted a vibe of, of these movies, watching them, if you were to sit down and yeah. watch them one after another, you know, and, you know, right. so if it works, it works, but <laughs> this is going to be very um, intense. So for my third pick, I'm going to go ahead and roll. I was going to go with uh, my first day three pick, but because of something you said in describing Inception, I'm going to go ahead and roll with, uh, with another day two pick. Um, so this is with the theme of films that I wish I made. Um, I'm going to go with Heat. Uh, it came out in 1995. It's, uh, it's directed by Michael Mann. Um, this is another one that I only came to very recently. Um, I saw it for the first time maybe two years ago and was just absolutely floored by it. Um, if I had not been told that 
it came out in 1995, I would have guessed that it just came out of theaters. Um, it's just got such a timeless quality to it. Um, so just briefly, if you haven't seen this movie, it's uh, basically it stars um, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Um, the first movie that they shared screen time in, they, you know, it wasn't the first they starred in together. That's obviously the Godfather part two, but this was the first film that they um, shared a scene and a few scenes with. Um, and so that's, that, that in itself was kind of an, an event back in 95 you know people had been waiting for these two legends to square off and so they play basically um al pacino is uh the uh the head of a police department in la um he's tracking these bank robberies these really elaborate crazy heists that have been going on um and those are led by robert de niro he's kind of this uh this career criminal who has this group of, of uh, experienced criminals who pull off these crazy, crazy bank heists. Um, and uh, the, the film, like I said, it's truly like timeless. And by that, I just mean that it's like, I mean, the action is so well, well done, well filmed. Um, the just a little research into this film um, showed me that uh, when preparing for the shootout sequences, uh, Michael Mann had all of the main cast go to a, they had to take a course with the LAPD and uh, how to like properly handle weapons and how to react to stuff and stuff like that. Cause he really was just gunning for uh, authenticity and it so shows, I mean, it really does. Um, uh, the shootouts are just absolutely intense and gripping. Uh, there's one that starts, it's kind of the iconic, the iconic scene from this movie. Uh, yeah. It starts um in the bank after they've robbed it uh and then robert de niro and his crew are escaping and they're kind of in the shootout with al pacino in the streets and then it extends past the streets and one of the characters is running away and like picks up a girl as a human shield it's, it's so damn intense it's like moving action in the best way possible um but i what i think is the true draw of this film and why i wish i made it is that it is truly uh just a fascinating character study um you have Al Pacino, who is this, like I said, this very d determined um, police chief. He uh, he's married and has a stepdaughter. He rarely sees them and is rarely home because he's always out on the street, you know, uh, looking for for De Niro's crew, and uh, it's affecting his marriage. And he's this guy who's just so committed to his job that he really doesn't have time for anything else in his life. And then you have um, De Niro, who is uh kind of the same kind of person and that he's so driven by his uh his his desire to just rob all these banks he really just does it for the thrill he wants to rob all these banks just to say he could um and he's a very uh he's very much a uh no attachments kind of guy he has this really great iconic line where he says uh never uh get involved in something that you can't um walk away from in five minutes if the heat comes. And so he's basically saying, you know, you, you can't get too involved. You can't have attachments because if you've got to get up and run and go on the run from the cops, then you've got to get up and go in like five minutes or you're dead. Um, and so he says that to Val Kilmer, who's also in this film, Val Kilmer plays De Niro's kind of right-hand man. Um, and Kilmer has this uh, wife and they have kind of a volatile relationship that affects their heist. And so He's telling that to him, but it, it's just this really cool character study. You know, you mentioned that this, you've heard that this has influence on uh, Inception. It certainly does. I mean, this, I think without this film, you you would still have the crime genre, but the, the subgenre of like heist flicks, I think would not exist without this movie. Um, we had them before, but they really exploded after Heat. 
again, it came out, you know, in 95 and after it, we got stuff like the Italian job remake and we got, um, you know, inception, we got stuff like that. And I think that it, that's largely in part due to heat. Um, but I think that ultimately really what I see the biggest influence it has is on the dark Knight. Um, so the dark Knight. Yes. I was, I was going to say that I did misspeak. I definitely said heat, but I definitely got that um, misspoken because it's definitely more right. um, for dark Knight, hands down. Uh, yeah, no problem. So, but the thing is, is like, it up. certainly has its influence on inception as well with the, the heist element, but yeah, with the dark Knight. um, you know, Batman and the Joker really reflect De Niro and Pacino because they're these two, you know, Joker has that awesome line about, you know, this is what happens when uh, an immovable or an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. And that is De Niro and Pacino to a T in this film. There's a scene, you know, everyone loves the the shootouts and I do too, but my favorite scene, not only in this movie, but one of my favorite movie scenes of all time is uh, there's a scene where basically De Niro is driving and Pacino pulls up behind him and turns on his lights and it's like, Oh, we finally caught him. And this is like halfway through the movie. So you're like, it can't end now. Um, and he, uh, he pulls over and he's like, you know, I've been looking for you. Right. And he's like, yeah. He's like, all right, let's go to this diner and talk. And it's just the scene of the two of them uh, just talking and talking about their worldviews and like, you know, I'm never going to stop chasing you. And De Niro's like, I'm never going to stop running. And it's just them like understanding that they're both kind of this, like two sides of the same coin. Um, and it's just, it's an amazing scene. Uh, a little background too, is it was the first scene that De Niro and Pacino shot together and they didn't do any rehearsing beforehand. They just showed up on set and they were like, all right, let's do it. This is, you know, this is the kind of history in the making uh, and it shows on screen. Um, it's in, like I said, it's such a timeless movie. It is so damn entertaining. It's a pretty long one. It clocks in at just a little under three hours. Um, so, you know, for, for day two, people are going to have to really buckle in for this one. Uh, the reward is that Star Wars comes right after. Um, but I think they will not regret, you know, coming to see this movie, especially for the first time. It like, you know, it blew me away the first time I saw it. I have since bought it on Blu-ray and DVD. I'm kind of obsessed with it. <laughs> um, I think that it's truly one of those uh, genre defining movies, like I said. And um, again, if you asked me when it was made, not knowing, I would have said last year. Uh, it just has a really timeless quality to it. I I love that, man. I love timeless movies. You know, those movies that just feel like it could have been made yesterday or 20 years ago, and it works no matter what. Those re movies really do, you know, stand the test of time. And I hate that I have not seen this movie yet. Um, I keep hearing people talk about it. You mentioned it now on this list. Uh, one of my favorite people, yeah. Bill Simmons, <laughs> talks about it nonstop. That's <laughs> one of his favorites. Uh, I do love Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, so I have no excuse. I'm going to watch this soon, ASAP. Um, all I can say is from your description, it, it makes me really want to see it even more so before because... Um, because of this, you know, the dynamics between De Niro and Pacino in, in the heist in the, the running in the, between the two, I, I cannot wait to see this movie. Um, that, that in star Wars sounds like a really fun one. You know, you're, you're getting the intensity, the intensity, the, the battle between the two. And then you're going into this super fun, much lighter. Yeah. Pick. 
extravaganza. Um, I dig that, man. Um, I wish I had more to say about Heat. Um, but other than I like seeing it on your list because I, the amount of times I hear it spoken definitely deserves yeah, to be, I just, be I, I love somewhere. it. I, one last thing I want to say about it before I move on to my next pick too. You know, Michael Mann is kind of a, a filmmaker that's been uh, just kind of like quietly just on that grind for a long time. Um, this was one of his first flicks, but he's been around for quite a while. I just really want, you know, the current DC universe we're in is an absolute shit show, but when they get their shit together and really um, start building a universe correctly, I would love to see him direct a Batman film. I think that he really understands kind of the grittiness and the, like I said, the character study of, of a really larger than life character like Batman. So that's, that's all I'll say about him. But yeah, if you haven't seen heat, please, please check it out. It's so worth it. Um, so I'll go ahead and uh, roll into my, my next pick. Um, so this one is going to be for day three. Um, day three is going to be, you know, a little bit different. So with day one, you know, I talked about those movies that are just absolute cinematic joy. Um, day two, just stuff I wish I made. Um, day three is uh, what I have for the word to describe it is just the word catharsis. Um, I think that there's something about watching a film and like, you know, whether you actually do or not, but like having a good cry or just experience the full emotion of the film is so just indescribable and really I think a quality that is that really sets uh film apart as a true like uh art form I mean it film is an art and I think that if a film is able to really kind of make you feel in that way it's really something special and I think that there's something very you know cathartic about going through this range of emotions, watching a movie and coming out kind of, you know, a, a different person. And whether you learned a lesson or you just kind of experienced emotions you never had watching a movie, it's, it can be a really truly uh, special experience. Um, so for this day, um, I'm going to go ahead and roll with my, my first pick for this day. This is the first movie as people roll up for day three, um, you know, the attendants will be handing out boxes of tissues and saying, you know, get ready for a day full of feels. Um, so for uh, my first movie, I'm going to go with uh, one that came out in 2011. Um, it's called Warrior. Um, this movie is, I would, I was hoping you'd seen Stop. this one. Good. Yes. Okay. Yes, awesome. I have. Uh, so yeah, this <laughs> one's directed no. by, um, <laughs> It's directed by uh, Gavin O'Connor, and it stars uh, as we, you know, the guy we love, Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton. Um, it's about a pair of brothers, um, uh, Hardy and Edgerton, who are both uh, uh, wrestlers. They um, are MMA fighters. They, um, you know, they were, they had kind of a rough childhood. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it. Uh, I guess this is your spoiler warning. Um, I, I won't really go too much into it, but they had a rough childhood involving their, their parents. Um, their dad was not the best dad. And so they're kind of estranged at this point when the movie starts. Um, Brendan, who's played by Edgerton, he's the older brother and he's got a wife and kids. And he kind of is a, he's a, you know, he's a teacher at a high school. He's kind of the more um, uh, suburban kind of well-adjusted guy. And he, uh, he fights on weekends at like this, underground um fight club to basically pay bills for his family so you know he doesn't really fight officially anymore he just kind of does it to to make ends meet um on the other hand you have uh tommy who's played by tom hardy who uh kind of lives to fight um he served time in the military he's uh been 
dishonorably discharged. And so now he um, kind of is just angry at the world. He's got a very raging bull uh, quality to him. Um, he's just very, like I said, very angry. He's got a chip on his shoulder and he just fights. And uh, the movie opens actually with him finding their father played by Nick Nolte and asking him to train him. Um, they don't have a great relationship, which is explored in the film, but he wants him to train him because he wants to win this big tournament. Um, it, the prize is a lot of money. And so he really just wants to fight. Um, and so the film kind of gets going when Brendan also hears about this tournament. And again, there's a lot of money involved. And so he and his family could really use it. So he's, he's getting back involved and his wife isn't hundred percent behind the decision. She doesn't love that he fights. Um, she's worried about him, but the movie kind of is uh, a dual uh, plot. You know, it follows Tommy and his father training and their really rocky, unhealthy relationship and also follows Brendan kind of being the underdog who kind of rises up from, from uh, under the ranks and really impresses a lot of people. And, um, you know, again, without saying a lot, it eventually ends up where, you know, you guessed it, they are the last two in this tournament and they have to fight each other. Um, and the movie, you know, is it's a fighting movie, but ultimately it's just a film about brothers and it's a film about family and just the really complicated relationships involved with family. And um, as someone who, you know, we talked about from the top, these festivals are really kind of a glimpse into who we are as people. Um, and so as, as someone who had a really rough relationship with his brother growing up, this movie just really um, hit me like a ton of bricks. The first time I saw it um, came out in 2011. I saw it the next year on DVD with a friend and, uh, it just really rocked me. Um, it's a, it's an incredible movie. Uh, it's not going to depress you. Like it didn't depress me, but it's really going to throw you through a, a really big range of emotions. Um, it's got, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's got, uh, just an incredible ending. Um, the end, you know, I, I've mentioned so many times I love music, the ending, has uh, the song about today by the national playing in the background. And it just really sells the emotion of the scene. Um, just a really, really great emotionally whole kind of movie. It just takes you really through the ringer um, and incredible performances from Joel Edgerton and, and Tom Hardy. We talked about Tom Hardy, but I think Joel Edgerton is one of the really underrated actors in Hollywood right now. Um, he's not in a lot, but when he shows up, he really, really shows up. He's just phenomenal in this movie. But really, the movie is Tom Hardy's. I mean, he's so damn good in the movie. Like I said, he's really angry and he's got a chip on his shoulder and he's the younger brother. So he's got that really complicated relationship with Brendan. And so the movie is really about him kind of going on this journey and um, it pays off in a big way. It's just uh, it's it, like I said, it's just a very cathartic movie. And um, if you haven't seen it, please check it out. I, I'm so glad you mentioned this movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. But when you say this is for catharsis, it's so releasing, so relieving. Uh, you know, you, you feel a lot of emotion watching this whole movie. Uh, it's got some some good fighting, some, you know, some, some good MMA in it. You know, this was right around yeah. that, the yeah. real, like, surge of MMA, you know. And this was kind of jumping on that but it was so much more than a fighting movie like you say it, it really was a story of two brothers um and i i remember feeling so much frustration towards tommy watching this movie like mm -hmm. wishing he wasn't so hard-headed and, and wanting him him and tommy i mean i'm sorry him and brendan to 
to get over it, you know, it's some sort of reconciliation. Um, yeah, he just wanted yeah. Tommy to just to, to wise up just to, but I, you know, I don't remember too much about this movie other than, than the emotions I felt. And that, that feels fits so much for your third day. I really want to see what other movies are going to have to go along with this. Um, I, I love that we have a, a sports movie, you know, uh, to see, um, because I mean, sports movies are amazing, and this one really hits it on both ends. Good, good wrestling, good fighting, mm-hmm. great emotion, brilliant acting. Um, Tom Hardy. This, this is probably one of my favorite performances by Tom Hardy for sure. Um, yeah. And I would say my favorite performance by Joel Edgerton. Um, it's brilliant. I, I want to watch it again now. Your your list is just a <laughs> list of it. movies I'm going to be watching right, in this next week. <laughs> oh okay it's me again all right let's see um so kyle's got a very nice list of movies going uh very wide and diverse we got star wars and warrior uh right now i have two nolan movies and then monty python and the holy grail and i don't know if we even mentioned how many movies we were going to be doing um but uh we were, we were yeah, going to be doing uh, 12 each, each. So yeah, 12 each. right buds for each day. Um, so this is going to be a bit of a long one. We might even cut it into two. We'll see how long it takes us, but, uh, but we're getting on to my fourth one. And this next one is, Oh, I think you're going to like it, man. Um, this movie is going to be on my day one, uh, movies that bring me laughter. Um, and now I will say preface preface this by saying this is the one movie that doesn't fit into any of my themes as well as it could. Um, you kind of have to just shrug and say, okay, sure. Um, because this, this movie is funny. It does bring me laughter. Um, but perhaps maybe what I should have ran with for my theme for my first day would be maybe movies that, that bring me joy, you know, just bring me this, this feeling of warmth almost. Um, because that's really what this movie does. Um, (laughs) and it's dazed and confused. Right. Uh, I mean the, the, the music soundtrack movie of, of everything is this, the soundtrack is phenomenal. You know, it has all these great seventies tracks that really fuels this movie Mm that is just an aesthetic of of <laughs> rock and roll in high school in in drugs yeah, and just yeah. trying to fit in you know it it really brings me back to being in high school and being a kid again and i <laughs> it's i have mixed feelings about that um but overall, I, I I love this movie. You know, uh, directed by uh, Robert Link uh, Linklater. Well, ah, I cannot so Richard, say that Richard right. Richard Linklater. Uh, <laughs> Richard, I'm sorry. Yep, Richard uh, Linklater. Um, but essentially, this is a movie about the 1970s, right? Uh, about a several different groups of friends and people in this one high school in this, in this town, you know, it's the last day of school schools out, you know, they're all getting geared up and ready for the summer. And, uh, essentially the, the main premise of this whole awesome movie is you have the Mm -hmm. eighth graders who are turning into 
freshmen. You have the juniors turning into the seniors. And then you just have everyone else in between just filling in the gaps of, of your, your high school experience. Right. Um, and of course these juniors are already very excited <laughs> for this, this ritual, this hazing of the incoming freshmen. And while that is no way acceptable today, uh, it fits very much in, in this 1970s, uh, love letter to, uh, to high school and, and rock. And it creates this wonderful story of these kids who are just trying to get away from these fucking assholes who are, who, who really get a, like enjoyment out of this. Um, but this really is just a setting for, for these characters to, to move throughout the story because we have this and as well as we have yeah. everyone trying to figure out where their party's going to be. You know, we, we, these two characters, um, and I definitely forgot his name, but he he's like probably the second stereo <laughs> true stereotypical stoner in this movie. You know, he's he a beanbag, he has his hair parted, he he's dating Mila Jovovich, Jovovich um and he is just blitzed out of his mind and they're ready to throw his this party at his house. You know, his parents are about to leave town, and of course the dude delivers the keg before they even leave. So now, you know, this is pretty much the second premise of the movie. We're trying to find a spot for this party because we got to have this party. It's the end of the year. Um, and, you know, these are such low stakes for a movie. And I love it. I, I love the personal person, like the personal feeling of this movie, how authentic and, and yeah. just <laughs> um, anticlimactic it is. You know, it's it's literally half of them driving around in their cars, listening to music and just shooting the shit, smoking, drinking, you know, <laughs> doing what all kids in high school did back in the day. What I did when I was in high school, you know, like I, my generation was one of the last generations that got to go to high school without everyone having a cell phone, you know, like I didn't have a cell phone until I graduated. There was several people in my grade that, didn't have cell phones, you know, it wasn't right. just everywhere like it is now. Um, so a lot of stuff that you did as a kid was drive around town, especially if you lived in a small town and I lived in a very small town. Uh, we had one stoplight <laughs> in my town, one road and then side roads, you know, where we all lived on, um, and, you know, we had a bunch of, you know, towns and cities around us, but that's what I lived in. And so for us to do anything, we would have to drive somewhere else. We'd have to drive to another town. And so this movie, once I saw it, which sometime in high school, I want to say it was my freshman year. It really just connects to me so much, man. Um, and I love this. I love I, this movie. Um, what do you think about this? One I've only seen, I've only seen this once and it was <laughs> God, forever ago. So a lot of it is just, uh, like it's kind of that Mandela effect. Like, did that really? Ha I get this one in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It mixed up a lot, but um, this is the one with Matthew McConaughey, right? Yes. Okay, I thought so. Um, all right, all right, I love all this right. Movie. It's like you said, it's an absolute love letter to uh, kind of a forgotten era, um, and it's really just a fun movie. I love that your first day. You know, it, it is laughter, but it's just joy, and like that's this fits the bill so well. It's like such a fun movie. You have a smile on your face throughout the whole thing. Um, 
hell of a cameo from from Ben Affleck too. Uh, <laughs> I love Ben Affleck in this movie. Um, yeah. Oh, Bannon. Yes, he <laughs> yeah, plays so the, good. the best asshole in this movie. Yep. So um, up I love the it. entire I, I time. This movie is really emblematic of Linklater at his best and his worst. I think that his movies are always kind of this kind of slice of life vibe. Um, for this movie, it works really well. It doesn't always work for his movies, but when it works, yeah, with this one, it just it works so well. Um, you just want to spend a day with these guys. They're so chill and laid back and um, yeah, it is a really, you know, I can't, I can't, I don't have the fortune of saying, you know, I, I didn't, uh, grow up without a cell phone. Uh, I wish I was born in the eighties, you know? <laughs> um, but I think that it's such a cool relic to that time when things are just simpler. And, uh, um, these guys are just worrying about partying and, and, uh, hanging out with people and getting laid and just, you know, the simple stuff. <laughs> um, it, it's so fun. It's, it's a simpler time. And it's just, uh, what a, I mean, I, I hope that this, this festival is going to involve a lot of weed because you need this to watch this movie. <laughs> we are at Red Rocks, okay? Uh, there will be booths to sell, uh, you know, very nice high-grade cannabis as well as um, very nice uh, alcohol vendors for those who want to take in alcohol, you know? Um you know, everyone has their, their vice, but I want everyone to be loosened up and, and, you know, happy, you know, excited to enjoy these, these very fun movies, especially on the, that first day. Cause days and confused is <laughs> yeah, better absolutely. when high. I these movies get shorter that. and I just get the same age. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and like you mentioned, Matthew McConaughey, of course, you know, he, he plays this character, David Wooderson. And I, I just wanted to touch back on him because he he really kind of is one of the important parts of that of that third tier I was saying of this movie. You have the the kids going into freshmen, the 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 new seniors, and then you have everyone else. And he's this guy who's I don't think they ever say, but he's several years graduated. You know, he's like probably 21, 22, you know? And he's just hanging out with these right. high school kids. Like it's what he always does. And he and he even mentions this, you know, he's like, he gets older, the girls stay the same age, yeah. which is Big a yikes, very <laughs> problematic uh, now, but it, it really points to how it points to those very, very real people that we all know, you know, that just are kind of there, you know, that a grow up, but they're still hanging around people younger because they just really haven't grown up or they don't want to grow up and you know i i can get i can feel that i can understand that you know but yeah. he he was very skeevy i would say in, the, in that movie uh watching it nowadays um played really well um but like you said i i, I just it, it's a very warm movie and i it gives me so much fond memories of watching it with my friends and in doing that with my friends, you know, trying to, to score some alcohol yeah. because that's all that you cared about that weekend. You had to find some, you had to bribe your sister or go <laughs> play. Hey, mister, or, you know, uh, have a friend who right. had, who his dad had a really stacked liquor cabinet, you know, uh, you had to find those ways. And this movie just really harks to those, to how it felt as a kid and yes. how important those very simple things were. You know, um, and I could watch this movie over and over again. 
Um, I loved it. And that's why I picked it day one. I love it. I'm very happy that I got it. (laughs) Um, so I, I think that's my next pick then. Uh, right. Uh, and I'm going to be going with another day one (laughs) because, uh, let's face it. I love laughter. Uh, probably my favorite thing more than just about anything. I love making people laugh. I love laughing. Um, it, it's the yeah. quickest way to being happy to me, you know, um, it's also a really great way to, to turn serious things and, and sad situations into a more positive light and just to, for sure, you know, help you forget things for a little while. Um, so rolling with my, my next day one pick, which is going to be filmed. Where are you at list? Where are you at? There you go. Right after Dazed and Confused, you know, so we have everybody properly mm. high and and chill, really good music. And then we hit them up with a really great second high school coming of age story that's a little raunchier, Uh-oh. a little badder, a little <laughs> yes. super badder. I'm talking about super Um, <laughs> I absolutely love this movie. Uh funny story it was the first rated r movie i went and saw like alone with me and my friends it was like i feel like it was like eight or nine of us just rolling deep to the boardwalk to see this movie because we all could (laughs) now you know didn't have to go with our parents or anything it was great and super bad was the perfect movie to see because you had these these super awkward nerds who were just foul mouth and like any teenager, you know, it, it showed that you didn't have to be a popular kid to to be an asshole either, you know. <laughs> they they were a, bit, uh, a little bit jerky. Uh, Jonah Hill plays that that asshole douchebag nerd very well, and he made his money on it, you know, before he went to more of those much more uh, dramatic roles. And we have Michael Sarah, who's super awkward. Um, like he is awkward in a person. Um, there's not much more to say than that, you know. I didn't. This was my first introduction to him. I had not seen Arrested Development, um, but he was just so lovable, you know, in this weird, <laughs> uh, just Michael Sarah puppy dog way, you know. And it made really well his pairing with Jonah Hill, these two best friends who who was making this pact to get laid before they graduated, you know, and it culminates in this, of course, this big old party that they, for some reason, say they can score alcohol to. And Hey, you know what I was just talking about with, <laughs> with days and confused, trying to score some alcohol. Um, this movie does that to the extreme. Uh, they bring in their friend, McLovin, uh who like i mean when this movie came out he was the oh, yeah. the scene stiller that was all anyone was talking about was <laughs> that was everyone was like i am mclovin you know <laughs> for years that the name was mclovin yeah and he killed that role uh, christopher mintz plass right uh yes i, I love that guy you know really good actor he knocked us <laughs> out of the park going to see him try to buy that alcohol and the in the convenience store and then just getting <laughs> popped he takes that like a champ I, I uh and it gets us introduced to in my opinion the see the real oh, yeah. scene stillers of this movie bill Hader and seth rogan and the cops you know these two cops who who you know who, who are probably just bored and 
it's just another day and they're like, you know what, let's just have some fun with this kid. Let's show him a good time. Let's and really let's distract ourselves from, from our <laughs> lives right now. Cause they go a little crazy. <laughs> um, and I mean, I could, I could talk about every scene in this movie and I'm not going to, but we, we go everywhere from them running over, over a guy and them, him taking them to Thunderdome and we get, Seth, which is Jonah Hill's character, <laughs> dancing with someone and getting period blood on him. And oh, this movie. Oh, uh, just to we we all know this movie. You you you've seen Super Bad. Uh, everyone that's listening to this, I really hope has seen Super Bad. So I don't have to go into the details, but this movie, like Dazed and Confused, really gives me that sense of fond memories going back to high school. And then it just ramps it up yeah. with so much comedy gold, you know, Jonah Hill firing at 90 miles an hour. Um, <laughs> so much facial expressions, so many fucks. Um, you get so many great cameos. Like I said, you get Seth Rogen, you get Bill Hader, you get mm. John Lowe Truglio, you get yeah. uh, Emma Stone. Of course, this is one of the first roles I remember seeing. And, and I was just, mitten right away immediately and she was so funny and i was hooked um super bad is probably yeah i would say considered one of the best comedies of the last 20 years um and i for me it's probably top five so that's definitely why it's on this list for me for this this movie uh film festival and i just wanted it to be there to showcase the how much I really connect to, to those coming of age stories, you know, uh, that's such a really important part of your life. You meet so many people that really shape who you are, even if you don't ever see them again. And super bad really touches on that. The story of these two friends who really don't know what life has for them going forward. But right then in this moment, they can share, have this amazing, like, experience that they'll always remember and to me that's high school yeah, in a nutshell that's, that's a great call so i, I really love, I love how this movie day man. One is shaping up because you know all three of those you know monty python days and confused and now super bad they're all comedies that are very you know confused as very goofy movies but we kind of touched on this with with monty python they're all really sneakily like incredibly smart and clever and like in very different ways you know monty python is just uh, incredibly smart satire and dazed and confused is a really just authentic love letter to another era. But super bad is just like, it takes a lot to sell some of those bits in that movie. Um, you really have to commit to it and they, God, they, they really commit. Um, you mentioned like the, the period blood scene. I mean, Jonah Hill had to commit to that scene. Um, but Seth Rogen and Bill Hader, yeah, they're the absolute st uh, scene stealers in the movie. Um, I'm a big fan of Bill Hader. Uh, I, th I think that they actually just, yeah, they really just steal that movie. Um, but uh, yeah, really funny movie. Um, what, also one of my earliest uh, R-rated uh, ventures. <laughs> um, and it um, it's just like, it's you really think about the experience around this movie as much as you do the movie itself. Because um, it's one of those, you just like, it's the, the kind of that first, first foray into 
R-rated comedies, and there's there's fucks flying everywhere, and it's it really earns its rating in a really fun way. It's it's raunchy in the best way possible. Um, very rewatchable too. You can pop this one in any time, and it's always gonna you know make you laugh. For real, man. I, I I like that you like it. I, I I don't know many people who don't enjoy this movie. You know, I will say that. You know, it may not be their favorite, but I don't hear people saying yeah. I hate Superbad. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> I hate all the dick jokes. I mean, come on. Jonah Hill has a book, whole notebook <laughs> of of dicks. It's that that the whole crowd. I remember watching it. We I we went and saw it like that Friday, and the whole crowd was just cracking up and i still do to this day i I love it man um and i so i that's uh we're gonna take a quick break uh because we went through a couple different movies and it's getting long so we'll be right back folks hey everybody this is damon and kyle and uh before we got to today's episode i wanted to mention about uh this weekend's protesting and how serious it is uh with us two uh, people being being white males, so we want to be able to help people with our privilege. And what better way than to uh, help out on our podcast? And uh, we're just going to mention some places that you can donate your money to and help some people out that are out there protesting, fighting the good fight uh, for justice. Yeah. Um, so I want to mention the Los Angeles chapter, Black Lives Matter. They're uh, currently supporting organizers endeavoring to adopt a people's budget that reallocates uh, police funding to communities that need it. Uh, you can donate via the Black Lives Matter LA website. And then also, I wanna talk about the Action Bell Fund, also organized by Black Lives Matter LA. It's uh, 100% of donations go directly to support bell, fees, and medical costs associated with actions. And uh, you can uh, find that, uh, I think, at the same website as Black Lives Matter uh, LA. Awesome, yeah, and I just wanted to, um also bring up a couple sites that are really doing good work right now. First of all, um, Campaign Zero is a website that is um, nationwide, and a lot of it is just about being educated, which I think is incredibly important right now. Um, you can check out your state's legislations on um, a lot of issues uh, with p- police brutality, and there is an option to, to donate to them as well. Um, so you can donate there at uh, Campaign Zero, their website, and then also um, just the, uh, the GoFundMe sites for both uh, George Floyd's family and uh, Ahmad Arbery's mother. Um, you know, George, George's family is dealing with a lot of, you know, funeral costs right now and counseling and God knows what else. Um, so they have a GoFundMe set up um, as well as uh, Ahmad Arbery, who was uh, killed by two white men earlier this year. Um, his mother has a GoFundMe um, and that's A-H-M-A-U-D-A-R-B-E-R-Y. And uh, also the George Floyd, their family, um, their GoFundMe page. Um, just, uh, you know, give if you can. Um, obviously, this is just a really tough time right now. Um, a lot of confusion, a lot of anger. I know just speaking for myself, um, it's been a really crazy week of just kind of processing how to approach this. And Damon and I kind of spoke a little earlier about um, we didn't want to just go through the podcast without men- mentioning it at all. Um, because little as it may be, you know, this podcast is a platform for us to, um, to bring to light, uh, this stuff. And so, um, we certainly want, like Damon said, we, we recognize that we are privileged. And so we, we want to use that privilege to, to help any way we can. Yes. I couldn't say better than that, man. Um, 
And once again, Black Lives Matter, y'all. And I hope uh, y'all help because we're going to do everything that we can. That's right. Hey, y'all. And we're back. Uh, sorry for the delay. Uh, we just had to talk because this episode is <laughs> long as hell. Um, we knew it was going to be. We just really didn't know uh, how long we were going to talk on every subject. But, you know, more content equals more content yeah. i don't think you're gonna complain <laughs> uh so i think we're gonna we're gonna cut this up yeah, now man so right Kyle? we're gonna go ahead and cut you know we have quite a bit quite a few films already and so we're gonna go ahead and cut this episode and then um come back with part two uh next week um in the meantime we're uh we've got kind of just for a tease we've got an episode coming your way where we've got another guest uh who's our who's our guest for next week damon our very Sorry. nice friend Austin Waters. Uh, he's a friend of, from our Facebook group, of course. We're gonna be, you're gonna be seeing a lot of those. Uh, we love that that group, and uh, Austin's a really great guy. He, uh, you know, he did the uh, music festival draft with us. Uh, that really inspired our our uh, this whole podcast. So we're really yeah, excited. Sure. To Austin have is him. my, I like to say, Austin is my my evil twin. Uh, we seem to really be into a lot of the same stuff, but really differ on a lot of stuff too. So I'm very excited. We're going to be talking. Um, we're going to be talking TV with him. I won't get too specific, so we can keep the mystery up. But we're going to be talking some some TV stuff with him. So so stay stay tuned for that. And then um, uh, next week we'll also have uh, part two of this big uh, film fest draft. All right, everybody. I uh, hope y'all enjoyed the episode. And like always, if you have any feedback, uh, questions, criticism, uh, compliments, you know, love letters, <laughs> hate, anything, hit us up at planetfantasypodcast at gmail.com and we'll answer you on here and on there, uh, you know. And uh, we hope to hear from you. I hope you enjoy. See you. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>